Dear Father, I do just uh, thank you for this time that you've ordained this time just to um, get into your word and to see what you talk um, and say about purity. I thank you for these ladies and their dedication to their families and to you. And um, just help me to get out of the way, Lord, and just speak through me. And uh, thank you for your many blessings and especially your son. Amen. So, my name is Sherry. And... Um, Holly said, uh, I dated the cute Kayo houseboy. I actually stole him from the Theta house, so I said, get over here because they don't need to get to know you any better. I do. So um, I have been the privilege of uh, raising daughters for 20, almost 23 years, and um, so we don't know any difference. So those of you with boys, Chris, you know, it's so slanted to girls. Now they just call it a girl talk because Brett and I kept going, well, if you had boys, maybe you would do this. But anyway, um, my main goal in being here really is First Thessalonians 5.11 is to encourage you guys and to build each other up, just as, in fact, you are doing. You are already doing this in each other's lives. Um, just the fact that you are here, that you're in the Word, and um, that you encourage each other. And I'm just coming alongside as a part of that today. So... Um, sex, of course, is a great gift from God, and it's to be enjoyed within the covenant of marriage. And too often, especially in Christian homes, sex can be conceived and perceived as uh, dirty or something to be ashamed of. And we want to break this mold of um, by speaking of sex in the context of how God defines it as a beautiful thing between a husband and wife. Um, Proverbs 6.27 speaks of, can a man scoop fire into his lap without his clothes being burned? And that is a picture of sex or being impure outside of marriage. And it's never appropriate and never without pain and never without consequences. Um, I was at a CR meeting this Sunday, and I was speaking to a friend of Carol and mine's. Um, she happens to be deaf, so I, she reads lips. And I was telling her I needed to get home because I needed to... Uh, work on my talk about purity and she goes oh who are you speaking to and I said well I'm speaking to a group of young moms and she just kind of looked at me she goes well isn't that a little too late you know and I was like okay wait I gotta clarify what I'm doing here and so and then Brett reminded me you know it's not just that but just um this really is passing on the legacy of purity to our girls and and just some of the things that really I have to give 99% 99% of the credit to my husband. Um, Missy and I were just talking. I mean, Brett just thinks of these things all the time, um, catches teachable moments with our girls, and is just so great about that, and I'm just totally following his lead. So um, that's what we're talking about today. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6.18 speaks of fleeing from sexual immorality. 1 Corinthians 6.19 speaks of honoring our bodies as a temple of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so we, we probably know most of those verses, most of us in here, but what do we really do with that? Um, how do we instill purity into our daughters? Um, we liken uh, the way some people raise their kids as um, when your child turns 16, just throwing them the keys and saying, be safe. I mean, that's how a lot of homes kind of deal with with um, purity and and with sex. You just don't talk about it, and um, it would be very naive to think you could just throw your 16-year-old keys and and that they would be safe. You you usually get a lot more instruction in that area than in this. So um, we have a responsibility and privilege to pour into our kids' lives and teach them about purity. And if you're feeling insecure about this, and believe me, I I do often, I love in Psalm 78 um, where God chose David um, to lead his people. And David wasn't already leading people. He was in a pen leading sheep. And so God equips us to do this work. We, we just have to kind of be available and be ready to learn from him. Um, so getting this right is important. And it, it's important to God and it should be important to us. Um, Matthew 19, 4-6 speaks of the time that children are with their parents to the time when they are united with another in marriage. And it is our job to shepherd our children while they are with us until they might be called into marriage or called to be a single adult. Um, Sexual and emotional intimacy is only complete within marriage. The moral purity between a husband and wife um, 
is is exact. Genesis 2.25 speaks of this and that there was no shame between a husband and wife. And um, so when we think of teenagers, um, we think of, I think, just of the emotional, how we just get caught up in our emotions at that age. And so we need to tell them often that the heart is deceitful above all else and um, that they shouldn't go on their emotions. You've got to train them to go on the facts. Um, I was thinking about the difference between lust and love. Um, as a teenager, you're much more caught up in the emotions, like I said. And uh, let's see. Infatuation, which a teenager can get too quickly, leads to passion, which leads to innocence lost. And so the difference between lust and love, tell them often and, and go through these examples with them. Lust is temporary, whereas love is enduring. Um, lust is sudden, and love is gradual. Lust is selfish, whereas love is unselfish. Lust is untrustworthy. Love is trustworthy. Lust is impatient. Love is patient. Lust is uncontrolled, and love is controlled. Lust is emotionally shallow, whereas love is emotionally deep. Lust is based on fantasy, and love is based on reality. Lust is both focused on the external, whereas love is focused on the internal. And the biggest one, I think, for a teenager is lust is focused on getting something, whereas love is focused on giving something. So um, just to kind of set that premise with your, with your kids. And, of course, I'm talking about when they start to be teenagers. But I do have some practical things for um, those of you with really young children. And these are the steps that... Um, to get your kids on the road to sexual purity. Um, the first would be at an early age, during everyday things, you start to speak into your kids' lives about where they came from, um, how God is the creator of all things. And it can be as simple as um, cutting an apple, you know, fixing lunch for your child, and there you see the seed. And you can just say, see, um, we all came from a seed. And that can be your talk at the age of three. Um, I was talking to another friend who raises vegetables, and she was saying, you know, there's zucchini plants, and you need a male one and a female, and she was talking about how she talked to her boys about that. And just in everyday life, there's animals and plants, and use those things that um, God puts right there in front of you to start training and teaching your children. And um, some of us older moms, Carol and I mainly, um, we heard a gal named Mary Flo Ridley um, 10, 15 years ago, and I just, she does a great job on this just really at an early age, and so if you can get a tape or ever hear her, I would encourage that. Um, and then at the age of five and six, um, we chose to give all our girls purity rings, and so um, Brett would start taking our girls to the mall, and at age five or six, no, we... We gave them purity ring not at the age of five or six, but at the age of five or six, Brett would start taking them to the mall, and they would start looking at rings. They'd go to James Avery. They'd go to dinner. It was a little date with Dad, and it was cheap, easy, and fun, and we just considered that a big win for all. I was probably home with little ones, so it's a great break for me, too. But, um, you know, he would start talking about the ring they would get when they were older, and so... Um, that is just a great thing to kind of set that premise. That is something that you will get with your dad a little bit later. Um, the Purity Covenant, and I've, y'all have got copies of that, and we'll look at that in a minute. Uh, we really had a chance to refine that. It started out being pretty basic, and then the one you see before you is the one after three daughters that Brett really kind of tweaked. And um, the point of this is just being that your daughters can share this with others and have them be held accountable by those in their lives. Ecclesiastes 5.4 speaks of making a vow before God. And this covenant is where they commit before God and friends to remain pure until such a time that God may bring them a spouse. And um, we speak a lot of Proverbs 31 when we're talking about the covenant and just what a great picture of a godly woman that is. And so that is their goal is to just be training, looking forward to that time, and it is, it is something all my girls have just been, they can't wait. They saw Whitney get her purity ring at 13, and then the, the, the rest were just waiting in line, because it, it was a big deal. So, 
Um, and this is just first the first of several ceremonies that we've done with our girls. And I've got, um, I'll speak about that a little bit later too. So the next thing you can do is encourage your kids to find friends who hold the same commitment to purity. Philippians 2.2 speaks of being like-minded with others who are united with Christ. They not only can be looking to their own interest, but praying for each other and helping each other. So you want to have them cultivate those like-minded friends. Um, And encourage your kids to pray and find others who will ask them the hard questions and speak the truth in love. And this is where you are so set up for success being here at Watermark because of the small groups that... um, that are already in place, just ready for your kids, especially from 7th through 12th grade. They, they will be encouraged. They will have that older person they can talk to because there will be a time where they won't want to talk to you. So now is your time. But, um, so that is just really key. I really uh, can't emphasize that enough. Um, and then the next thing is you think through strategies for your kids for when the time comes and they find themselves in those situations where they could be tempted. Um, Brett loves to tell the story. uh, When he was in seminary, there was a professor, and he came up with the three nothings. And he put them on a magnet on the refrigerator, and all of his kids had to learn about the three nothings. And it was nothing laying down, nothing comes off, and nothing below the neck. Those were his rules for dating. And I think you're probably going, well, duh. You know, those are pretty pretty uh, obvious. But, you know, it would just be uh, a situation where you might have a bunch of kids in a room and you're laying down watching a, te- watching a movie and then one by one the kids go and you've got a boy and girl left. And so the awkwardness, the temptation that can come from that. Um, so those are just, that's just a very uh, visual thing, the three nothings. And... This guy would have his daughters, every date they had, they had to go through the three nothings with their dates. And it was so awkward. And they were like, oh, Dad, please don't make me. And he would go, do you, you know, if they hadn't told their date, the dad would tell their date. Do you know our three nothing rule? You know, and um, it, was, it was uncomfortable and very awkward for her at 13. But she goes on to tell a story of she gets married. And she said that is one of the key things that just helped her stay pure is remembering my dad expects me to keep these rules and my dates know that and my dates know my dad's going to check you know and there's nothing like going eye to eye with a dad who's in touch with their kids and you you know you can't get by with that so um that was just that was a big thing our kids knew it we could go you know we weren't quite as emphasizing that they had to tell them but that brett made sure that they knew the three nothing rules um the other thing is just being interruptible. You have to train your kids. I mean, you should never be in a place, I mean, we all know this, but where you can't be interrupted by someone else. That's just a, another good rule to have. And then just having um, good boundaries in that area. Um, my middle daughter, Rachel, just turned 21, and she's been dating a sweet boy from Watermark for about three and a half years. And they have very strict boundaries. And um, I just really have to credit them because they have really, really dated well. And one of theirs is that they're never at each other's apartments by themselves. And so Rachel was telling us the other day that um, they were running by Jason's apartment and he needed to grab something and she needed to go to the bathroom. And so she, you know, they got there and she was getting out and he was getting out and he just goes, wait, Rach, we can't both go in there. And she goes, oh, come on, we're in a hurry. I'm just going to, you know, and he just said, no. I'll wait here, you go in the restroom, then you come back, then I'll go get my thing. And she was really kind of put out for a while, and we were going, go Jason, you know. He knew the rules, he knew the boundaries, and it really is a lot of times the leadership of the guy in the relationship to keep that. So we were thankful, and then she saw, oh, I guess so. She kind of got it. Um, But this just sets them up for success to have these very clear, "This this is just better for you. Not in a legalistic way, but life will go better if you do this. So, um, and then along with the purity ring is just, you know, you just encourage them to wear that daily as that visible reminder of their commitment. Um, Psalm 61.8 speaks of singing praises to the Lord's name 
and fulfilling our vows day after day. And not in a real legalistic way should you do this. I have another mom who said, you don't have your purity ring on. What's going on? I mean, don't set it up for failure like that. Just just remind them that this is just as we wear wedding rings. This is just a visible reminder of, um, of, of your heart and what the commitment you've made. Um, and then for your older kids, some of y'all might have older teenagers. Um, have them make a list of goals and short-term, long-term, and, um, and pray for God to really stir their heart with the good work that we know he has planned for them. If they are in Christ, um, they have been created to do good works. And so I think that really gives them a vision that um, this is one of their goals is, and, and how God has prepared them to do those good works. Um, and then I think we can't tell them enough and remind them in that same verse in Ephesians 2.10 it talks about us being God's workmanship or God's masterpiece and the more you can tell your kids that I know you know that but the better it is with them Um, so uh, Brett and I have tried to be very creative relevant and approachable with our kids in this area Um, my most creative example is one that Missy was sharing that Brett shared with her husband um when we started talking about clothes and modesty and um, that kind of thing, Brett just thought, you know, I can tell them what I think, but let's let them go see. So they all trucked up to, to the mall one day, and at, at that time, um, Victoria's Secret and Abercrombie and & Fitch were pretty close to each other. So Brett found a little bench right in the middle, and he just said, I just want you to watch the men as they walk by, and they see these huge billboards of women's with, you know, mainly not very much on. And the girls just took it all in. And they watched old men, young men, all men in between, walk along, take a second look, go back, glance, linger, talk to each other. And Brett said, this is, this is the kind of um, attraction you get when you dress immodestly. Um, and, and girls, these are not bad people. These are your granddads and your brothers and your cousins. This is, this is what a guy thinks when you dress this way. And so it took away a lot of the, oh, Dad, you just don't know what you're talking about. They got to see that this, men, are, men are wired visually, and that's, um, that's the kind of attraction you get when you wear things. And so we, we often go back to that. When we are talking about clothing and modesty, they'll go, okay, I I get that, because they really got to see firsthand that. Um, The relevant is just knowing current terms. And um, I know when we used to talk, we'd go, let's go hook up at at the mall. And then all of a sudden someone said, oh, you can't say that anymore. That means something else now. And so just kind of, you know, you don't have to be totally hip and totally cool, because you're a mom and you just won't be most of the time anyway. But... Trying to stay up on that and be a little relevant is good for your kids. They, they think you're at least trying. Um, and then approachable. I think this is really the key, especially for moms, is do your best not to act embarrassed or horrified at their questions. Um, you want them coming to you. You want to thank them. Thank you for coming to me. You could have gone to other people, but I really appreciate that you came to me. Um, and the example in my life is I asked my mom one question growing up. And we literally got into the dining room, chairs back to back. She turned the lights out. And I asked her a question. And she was just horrified. And, and I just kind of knew from then, this is not where I'm going to go for my questions. This is way too awkward. And, and um, so I went to my older sister or my friends. And so that was not good. So, um, you know, they're, they're going to ask some questions. The other thing is don't answer too much. You know, answer kind of what they're asking. You, we've heard of the example of the, the person that goes into the whole sex talk at, at such a young age, and they were like, well, I just want to know if I was, like, from Dallas or Houston. I mean, where am I from? You know, so kind of get, get their question before you really go into that, too. So um, the other thing that Brett and I have seen is an emotional promiscuity that moms can really play into. Um, the kind of playing house, and you've got a little play group, and you're a three-year-old and girl, and is playing with your 
friend's three-year-old son, and you think it's cute, and you go, oh, isn't that cute? They're holding hands and kissing and or whatever. Um, what's cute at that age is not that cute later. And so, you know, just kind of we were always about not being silly around boys. Boys are your friends. You don't need to... You know, act like this is your husband. I mean, we, we've seen Halloween outfits where they go as husband and wife. We're just thinking that is just not what you want to set up. So just kind of keep it not silly. Keep it um, friendship level. Um, girls need to know how to interact with boys. Uh, we have an all-girl house, and so I think we tried probably harder than some of you have to because if you have boys in your family, they're going to they're gonna kind of naturally – interact with boys but we we really wanted to set that up that boys are friends and that's just the role they play at this point um so the other thing we did is um when i talked about going to victoria's secret um some husbands might not be so clued into fashion and not knowing what looks good on a girl and um i was pretty lucky that brett knew about that and understood the temptation that a girl has to wear kind of current clothes and, and look cute. Um, but we would always tell them that um, they had a higher calling not to cause a brother to stumble. And Brett calls it HBO. He said, help a brother out in what you wear and in how you look. Just That's just a, a great way to remember that. And he did have some very frank talks about um, what a guy thinks when a girl dresses a certain way. And... Um, at the time, I know they kind of glazed over and thought he didn't know what he was talking about, but they did trust him, and so they listened, and they knew that he had their best interest at heart. So help your husband in this. Um, I've had some friends that kind of roll their eyes, though he doesn't really know about fashion. He doesn't know. Um, go with it. Better for them to look a little unfashionable than to um, just really have a problem in this area. So. Okay, so um, when did we talk about this? And every day along the way, just as it talks about in Deuteronomy 6-7, in everyday situations like I talked about the apple and any kind of other things that you can think of, um, you progress along with your children's age um, with sensitivity, sensitivity to how they are bent. Um, for those of you who know my children, I have Whitney who would run screaming from the room when I first started talking about anything with the word XCX. She just couldn't even say it for a long time. And then we had Audrey, who was just like, okay, tell me about it. I want to know. And she has asked us some really out there questions. You, you just can't, you can't stump her. Um, so you just have to kind of go along with that, realizing that, you know, with Whitney, I needed to have more conversations, maybe one-on-one -on -one in the beginning. Audrey could have been a crowd full of room. It just didn't matter. So um, that is what I would say about that. Just really be sensitive to how, how God has made them. You don't want to freak them out. You want to gently instruct. Um, and since all my kids are out of the house now, I had to use an example with my dogs. But I was walking with my dogs the other day. We have two-year-old lab, eight-year-old lab. And the two-year lab is just a wild thing. And we have to have that collar that just grips into his neck. And I thought about it. That is kind of instructing a younger child. You have that constant instruction, and it is just ever-present. You're talking to him all the time. With the eight-year-old, it would embitter him to have that collar on him. I have My time of instruction with that dog is pretty much gone. He now is on a collar and half the time off the leash. And, and I thought, that's kind of how it is at this point with my children. I have instructed them for 20-some-odd years, and now they're in college. They're kind of off my leash. And the time now is just to really be praying for them, to um, reminding them. But my time of instruction is pretty much over. And so that's why we want to start at an early age. Your time of influence does shorten, and um, they'll come to you as a friend a little bit more, but not as, as teacher. So that is what I would say about that. Um, I definitely pray for their purity. I pray for their future spouses often, if that is God's will for them, and that mainly they would be living lives that glorify the Lord in all areas. Um, so anyway, I, I thought at this point we might break up into groups and and just pray for each other. Um, 
and just uh, kind of like erase the mark because you're kind of sitting at tables that um, probably with friends. And I just really want to encourage um, that this is this is the time that you could ask questions. Um, the icebreaker that I had. In what ways were you ill-equipped to handle the boy stuff by lack of fathers or mothers having direct conversations? Um, I thought this might be a good time to be doing that. So just kind of break for about 10 minutes, and you all interact with each other. And um, any prayers that you would have, and just pray for each other that you would be bold in these conversations and, um, and willing. And, and I'll come back in a minute. Okay, I hope y'all had, oh, you're having good conversation. I hate to, I hate to break in. I'm going to go ahead and finish up because I know there's some of, some of you guys that need to leave. Um, but this is great conversation for y'all to continue having in your groups and with your community and all that good stuff. Um, there uh, are three ceremonies that you might consider in raising your kids in the areas of purity and in becoming well-rounded adults. And the first one, um, you have a copy of that purity covenant ceremony. Um, this is the one that we have usually done around the age of 13. And um, it started as a covenant pledge. This was with my older daughter. And you can see it was just immediate family. She did not want anyone else around. She was horrified still at the thought of this. Um, my second daughter was a little more open. We had a few more people. Uh, we didn't have them sign it, but they were there. By Audrey, Brett had kind of tweaked this, and it was the pure purity covenant. And you can see there's about 20 people listed here. All our community, all her community, her small group leader, her K-Life leader, it didn't matter. Audrey wanted accountability. She didn't She didn't uh, shy away from that. So, um this just says, I, Audrey, promise and covenant before God and my family that I will faithfully endeavor to obediently follow God's best for me. My parents dedicated me as a child with a covenant to raise me in a Christ-centered home, to honor the Lord by teaching and firmly instructing me to go into the world. I trusted Christ and entered into a relationship with Him as a child. Now I enter into womanhood and a covenant with God and my family to endeavor to be sexually pure. I know that God's best for me is to wait for his provision. I will daily remind myself of his provision in every way and will trust him for whatever provision he may provide. I will endeavor to seek wise counsel and guidance from other believers around me. I make this covenant in front of God and with biblical community with family and friends as a reminder of how God's provision is sufficient. I ask that you all hold me accountable for this covenant. As a symbol of this covenant, I will wear this ring in remembrance of my promise of purity. I will wear it until such time as God may provide a husband and this symbol be replaced by another. And so we date it, and it's kind of a big deal. And um, so that's where that's come. Before we do this, um, we've taken them to Genesis 2, just creation of woman. We've gone to Proverbs 31, becoming a godly woman. And then we touch a little on Ephesians 5 becoming a godly wife um, and we don't always just say this is definitely where you're heading but that is that is more than likely where they're heading so we do, do want to give them a little taste of of that um, so that is what we do at 13 um, the second thing that we don't personally do but we've been a part of is a monument ceremony and this is something that Carol and Al our friends Carol's here today um, they've used with their daughters around the age of 16. And based on the scripture in Joshua 4:6, where the people are being reminded of what God has done, says to serve as a sign among you in the future when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. And they've gathered their friends and their community and their kids' community, and we've all written notes and encouragement and verses on rocks, and then they actually visually stack them up as a reminder of the previous purity covenant and just what God is doing in their life. And that's been just a great visual, too, and a great ceremony to remember their covenant of purity and in striving to live godly lives. And then the, the, the last one that we've done, um, I guess we'll have a marriage ceremony at some point probably, but the third one we've done is called the send-off ceremony. And this is a ceremony we have done before our girls left for college when they were 18. 
Psalm 127, 4-5 says, Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are sons born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. And the idea here is the picture of a warrior and how he hones and perfects and sharpens. But he eventually has to send his arrow out. And so we are, in a sense, sending our daughters out into the world. Um, Brett actually made a little arrow. It's kind of kind of cool and then of course all three of our girls are pie so they were like oh perfect we're in the arrow it's the pie so that's just a little little fun aside but um we gather those in their lives that have poured into them family friends small group leaders our community their community and it really is just a time of celebration and of remembering what god has done in their life so the idea here is to celebrate and remember and make these Big deals. These are these are things that our girls look forward to, not only in our family, but in the families that they've been a part of. We've just all celebrated. So their purity covenant is the initial commitment before God. This monument ceremony is a reminder to stop and remember and don't forget. Stack those stones. And then the send-off is the charge to continue the good fight, to continue to strive for excellence, for purity in your child's life. And and. And once again, when I say purity, it's in their actions, their speech, their conduct, because we can, we can all have impure thoughts as well. So just to really challenge them on that. Um, so some of y'all have some older teens, so this is just a little precursor to um, some of the things you might bump up against. And like I said, it's a good thing for you to already be thinking about this um, dating. Um, we've started around the same age as the purity ring, around the age of 13. And um, like I said before, we've always tried not to be silly around boys. Um, having crushes is expected, um, but they need to know that they need to protect their hearts at an early age. Proverbs 4.23 speaks of, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. And they knew this verse. We spoke of that verse often with them. But putting up artificial boundaries up is as likely to, in our words, socially retard them as throwing them together to figure it out on their own. So some, some people call it different things, and that's fine. But put, putting that boundary up where God says, there's no boundary here. You need to figure this out on your own, can get awkward. So um, sometimes when the girls were around 14 to 15, we would just go out as a family with another family who happened to have a boy about the same age. And so they could get just a little bit used to being around boys the same age and in a non-threatening, non-awkward setting. Um, then came the dances and the formals and the highlights and homecoming and prom. Um, we always have to meet the boy before our daughter can go out with him. And this looks like this. It's a one-on-one -on -one with Brett. They usually go up to his office, and um, he always would set them up for success in this. Um, but he would have that conversation, you know, this is my daughter, she's a jewel, she's precious, all of that that you would think. And then he would have the boy read 1 Timothy 5.2. He'd have him read it to him. Um, Treat younger women as sisters with absolute purity. And then he would look them in the eye and go, are we clear? <laughs> that is how you're supposed to treat my daughter. Um, so it was always a great thing. I know of one situation with my oldest daughter that she did not get asked to a party because they knew they would have to come talk to Mr. Johnston. And at the time, she was not happy. <laughs> but you ask her now, and we all agree that that was God's protection. If a boy wasn't willing to do that, then we, we, were, we were fine her not going out with him. And um, so when that started the trend at our high school, you got to talk to Mr. Johnston. Um, the younger one kind of said, that's great. I see the protection that God has already put in there. So she was, she was great with it. So, um, and then the whole group dating, that's kind of the trend these days. They hardly ever do go out one-on-one -on -one with just a, a boy. So that's, that's usually a good thing. But things can go awry there, too. And so you want to you wanna not be a mom that has to know everything, but you want to you want to get the plan. You want to um, have conversations with the other moms of the groups and just be aware. Don't don't be the clueless mom that I don't know what they're doing. Just and that was the other thing is having a plan is just a great thing because then things don't just get out of hand. So um, 
And then, of course, we, we encourage them to date only believers, um, someone with the same values. 2 Corinthians 6, 14-16 says, Don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can goodness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? And the purpose, really, of dating or courting is to find someone to marry, to start cultivating those relationships. So kids need to be very choosy about whom they spend their time with in light of that definition. So writing down the qualities that they will eventually want in a spouse, that comes the list by which all potential dates are measured. So if you don't want to marry someone like this, you don't want to be dating someone like this. So that kind of makes sense. Um, the big thing these days is the Internet. Um, I remember when we got our first computer, it was just such a big deal. When we built our house, um, we had Internet connection in every room. We thought, that, that's great. We quickly learned that was not going to happen in our house, at least not during those teenage years. We had one computer in the playroom where anybody could walk by at any time because um, kids need that kind of accountability. Um, there's great filters out there, but um, not all homes will have that. So you've got to train your kids to either walk away if something comes up in a crowd or um, just not to get in that situation. Um, you'd be surprised um, that not all of your friends are going to be on the same page with you on this. You'll think, well, we have the same values. We might even go to church together. It doesn't always go that way. So just be aware. Have your kids know, hey, if something comes up and you're at a friend's house, you don't have to make a big deal. You can just walk away and go in another room. You can call me. I'll come get you. I mean, make provision and give them an out on that. Um, and also... Feel free to ask the questions. Have you been looking at or listening to something that's not good for you? Um, we know that's okay to do with our peers, and our husbands are hopefully doing that with other men, and we have the right to be doing that with our kids. Um, with movies, uh, Disney is great. You're probably still in Disney World, I'm, I'm thinking, but um, very quickly they'll be 13, and then they go, well, PG-13, I should be able to go that. Um, we didn't have that rule. We would say that's Hollywood's rules. We have different rules. And um, it wasn't usually till 14 or 15 that we even considered that for our kids. But um, there's great sites that we would have them go to. Kidsinmind.com was the one we used. I'm sure there's, there's probably better and bigger ones now. But it would actually list out sexual content, uh, any nudity, any language. And um, they could look for themselves. And then at some point, we let them start deciding. If you want to see this movie, you just need to be aware that this is in it. And if you're in a boy-girl situation, that's going to be awkward. And so there were at times movies that we probably would have let them see that they chose on their own not to see. So that was a great thing because at some point, they do have to start making those decisions. You don't want to make those decisions for them forever. Um, the other thing is if we watched a movie all together, we would play Find the Lie. Um, in any movie, you know, PG on up, you might have some things that you're like, this is not right. What is the lie in this movie? And they would come up with it, you know, the uh, girlfriends lying to each other or, or other situations. And get them to start seeing, this is not how I want to be living. Let's find the lie here. Um, in the area of music, as your children get older, they start having their own taste in music. Um, and I think you can challenge them in the content of what they're listening to, but not in the, um, but not on taste. It's kind of a chocolate vanilla thing. So we can use the filter of Philippians 4:8 here. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute. If there is any excellent and anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. And um, we have some good friends that run Pine Cove. The Zanstras, and their family motto is whatever. You know, it sounds a little sarcastic, but that's the filter they run things through. Is, is that a whatever movie? Is that a whatever music? Is it filling your mind with good things? So once again, you start letting them kind of take the lead on some of that. But you can, you, you still have the right to ask questions. And um, of course, iPods are great because you might not have to listen to it. So that's good. And then peer pressure. Um, Everybody remembers what it's like in junior high. Um, 
those years where feel, the feeling of fitting in is the highest. And let them know that this is normal. Share your own experiences with them and be vulnerable and honest. Um, this will put their mind at ease and they will feel more free to come to you when they feel insecure or when they are feeling like they do not fit in. Um, Proverbs 17:17 17, 17 says, A friend loves at all times. Remind them that their true friends are ones that will encourage them in good things and not in destructive things. So that's just, it will come. It, it might be lesser depending on where you have them in school or where you live, but it will come. So just be prepared for that and, um, and remember, remember those days. Um, so in closing, um, I just want to share a little bit about my story. Now my heart's beating again. Um, when I was 15, I gave my virginity away to an older boy, and I did this in secret, and I dated this boy against my parents' will. Um, there was not leadership in my home, and I followed my own way, and it happened suddenly and was not planned out. So I was not prepared or equipped to handle this choice and easily gave in. Um, and I've tried to do a good job. I don't blame my parents for the things that happened. I, I wish there had been more preparedness. But I made my own choice there. So a couple, I had trusted Christ at a church camp when I was 12. And um, a couple of years later, um, I was at a Young Life camp. And the speaker spoke on the, on the topic of, of purity and sex. Though I had trusted Christ at an earlier age, I had not even really thought about purity. I had never had any conversation with anyone about sex or purity, and especially not with my parents. So... The speaker at camp told me that I could regain my purity and that God is a God of second chances. And it was at that moment I really realized grace. I mean, I thought I really got it, but I didn't until I realized that God's grace covered me. I knew this could be a big deal in future relationships. So when I met Brett, we met at 19, so that was pretty young, and we started spending time together. I wanted to let him know early my past, so I told him. And it was great freedom to let go of the secret. Another point where I really saw grace. So I knew when I had kids that there would be a day when I would be able to share my story with them, that it would inform them. Um, God had allowed me to go through this, and I knew he was going to make good on his promise in Romans 8:28. So at the appropriate time and moment, it wasn't until they were much into their late teens, um, I chose to speak with all three of my girls and tell them my story. I had believed the lie that if I told them that they would lose respect for me. In fact, just the opposite happened. It actually gave me more authority in their lives to tell them how it had harmed me and other relationships and that they did not need to go down that road. There is no life there. So that's a little bit part of why Brett and I are so passionate about getting this right with our own children. We want them to be informed. We want them to be prepared. We want them to have thought through every situation that they could come up against and have a plan. Um, so, in a crowd this big, if you're out there this morning with a similar story, I would love to talk with you about it. I'd love for you to bring it into the light with someone in your life because there is true freedom there. Um, I think the enemy wants us to keep all those things secret because that's just not what um, what you do as a Christian girl, but there is true freedom in Christ. Um, Romans 8 talks about there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So I really want to encourage you with that. Um, I do think that's a lot of the reason that we can feel ill-prepared to speak with our girls is if we've had a similar past. Um, and it doesn't have to be that way. So let me pray for us. Father, I thank you for these women. Um, I thank you for the uh, that you have written the guidebook on purity. Your word speaks of it so clearly, and not only in just um, our physical lives, but in our thoughts and just our motives. Lord, you want us to be pure in all areas. I pray that um, we can really lead out and teach our children, our husbands, um, can help us in this, and Lord, that uh, you are going to lead the way here. Um, Father, I just pray that there, if, if there is a woman here who has a similar past, that they can bring that into the light and realize there, there is no condemnation for those of us in Christ. So um, thank you for this opportunity, and I just do pray that um, we will be very prepared to speak with our girls and um, 
our responsibility that goes to that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. No, huh? Um, you said at age five or six, Brett took the girls to James Avery and did a, mm-hmm. a date night. And what was the conversation like at four or five or six-year-olds saying, this is the ring you'll get someday because... Yeah, I think like at that point it was so basic. They just they knew the concept of a purity ring, and that was just something that we would give them at a later date. I don't think they had really in-depth conversations. It was more about a date and shopping and, yeah, so... Um, no, I think that they did that probably two or three times before 13. So they would kind of hone in on the one they liked and kind of go from there. But, other questions? Questions? We were talking about at our table, we have six and seven-year-olds are the oldest at this table. And, um... From hearing Mary Flo talking about being the expert on sex with your kids, but but also telling them, you know, kind of what they're asking, none of our girls are really to a place where they're asking a lot of questions, but they're also in school, and so we're worried that they're going to hear some, a lie first. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So at what age do you feel like it's appropriate even just to, you know, the beginning of sex? Not just, I mean, we're past the apples thing. Right, But, right. you know, just that. I think for us, it was probably around the age 10 that I that we finally had the actual conversation of exactly how that happens. But I think you have to kind of judge by where your kids are. We were at a very sheltering school where we just had a good feeling that not a lot of that was being talked about. But if you're in a school where you kind of think that there's kids that are, and really it's naive of us to have thought that maybe there was conversations were not happening at a Christian school. But um you know, that's where I think you have to be sensitive. Um, I know with Whitney, she did not really want to hear it until, uh, and we had a very wise teacher, it was at Providence, who said, until she starts her period, she might not even want to hear about this because she didn't think it could happen to her. And that was really when the light went on with her is when, okay, this, what they're saying is starting to happen, and now I'm really going to hear, hear them. So it could be, you know, a little bit later. But I think I think by 10, you start kind of, you know, doesn't have to be very in-depth. But uh, we were also, I meant to put this in, Brett was uh, very diligent about using correct terms. He said, let's not have the silliness of made-up words that only our family knows. Let's call things by their real name. And so that's the other thing. That was a little hard for me. I was like, I like the made-up words. <laughs> doesn't sound so weird then. So um, anyway, but I think, you know, and and... There's different philosophies on the actual talk of um, of who who does that. We felt perfectly free for Brett to have that and me to have that, and that's just something you need to figure out with your husband. He might not feel comfortable, but I would encourage him to be talking with other men about that. When you have, um, like, the age span of my girls is five years, so when you have the younger ones and you start having those talks with the first one, how do you manage that? Like, do you, I mean, how do you keep that? I mean, it's not a secret, but how, they're too young to really hear yeah, that. Yeah, I think that um, you can build into them that this is, this is something that needs to come from me. So just like I told you, give me that freedom to tell your sibling. Um, they might not get it, and they might blow it. Then you'll have another area of extending grace to them. Um, it was actually my youngest that actually came out and asked me about my past, and I told her first. And um, so I had to do that same thing in a different way of just saying, well, you hold on to that information so I can get everybody together and tell them at the same time. But, you know, it, it might make them feel very grown up to just think for at least a time that this is something that's just appropriate for me. And... Um, but I would just take it from there just and, and pray with her and just, you know, challenge her a little bit.
Will you talk some about modesty in your home? We've got all boys, and so I know it is different, but my boys, they take their clothes off all the time. I mean, you know, they're just naked. And so what, I know that's different with girls. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's it's not. So naked birds. So what, what, how do you? I I don't know really the age that that should be. I mean, part of it is like, that's what I hear. Boys just like to run around without clothes. Um, but I guess maybe, I don't know, the age five or six. I think this kind of, the notes that I gave you are a lot from Barbara and Dennis Ramey. And they, I think they speak of that because they have both sexes in their home, which I think does kind of factor in. But, you know, just the modesty and how we want to present ourselves. And, you know, I just think that that needs to come into play. But I think being real legalistic about it is probably not good either. What about mommies and daddies? Yeah, I would, um, I would, yeah, as a mom, especially of boys, I would, uh, you're talking about just walking around in the home and just, well, just walking in on you while you're going to the bathroom. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I would. Mean, like they're going to do it and you don't want to be like, look at, you know, like chain them into doing it. But right. what age is it like, oh, we really need to set this boundary and you don't need to come in on mom anymore? Yeah. I don't know if you can think of a firm age, but I, I would think around five or six where you could just go, this is mommy's time and privacy is a big deal and yeah I think you need to set that up because they're very visual <laughs> those boys what, what about daddies with the boys is it or what do you think about you know them showering with dad and is that not modest is yeah. that a bad idea you know I don't I don't feel really that equipped to answer that just because I don't have boys. But Sue Bolin's going to be here in a month. You might want to ask her. Okay. <laughs> so, you like, like, at what age did you start, um, or, or did you ever really show modesty around, like, like not have them? I had to work clothes or something. Yeah, like I had that. to work through that because with having all girls, I was just pretty lazy about that. But um, I think around the same age, boys and girls, around five or six, just to start, you know, giving each other their space and. Um, you know, I bathed all three girls together till they were probably, I don't know, seven, five, and three, and then, or maybe, yeah, and then the older one started going, okay, I'm going to take my own bath. So, you know, I think you can be a little looser when they're all the same, but I think those guidelines need to come into play a lot earlier when you have, when you have both boys and girls, so... Well, yeah, swimsuit issues, that's a big one because to be fashionable sometimes, especially with teenagers, it just gets a little, um, I was really, I'm really uh, grateful because Brett kind of knows, like I said, about fashion. His mom was a model and he knows more about it than I do, but they quit coming to me and asking me about swimsuits at an early age. They'd go, I know you're going to tell me to go to dad. Because I just didn't know. I just didn't know. You know, I don't know a guy's mind. And so sometimes swimsuits that I thought were pretty appropriate, Brett would go, oh, no. And then some things I'd go, oh, no. And he'd go, yeah, that's okay. And so I just really acknowledging I didn't get it was key for me. It's just going, I, I really don't get this. And so I would shop with them. Then they'd come home and show it to Dad. And, um, you know, he was kind of the judge on that. And then the sisters kind of start with each other. They'd go, oh, no. You're not, you know, then they start kind of parenting each other, which is kind of funny. But, um, you know, I think you just, you don't want to get away from, you don't want to be freaked out about it, but you just want to instruct. You know, that's where those creative things of the Victoria's Secret and, you know, those speak more to me than a bunch of words. So just doing that with each other. And, you know, you could sit and flip through magazines with your daughters and, and have them look and, you know, it might be cute, but is this really what you want to attract? Do you want, do you want to be known for the girl that wears the, you know, the short skirts and um, that kind of attention? And I think really getting behind the mindset of why we're dressing like that. You know, I think girls tend to dress for girls, and then guys are just part of it. So, can you give some specific examples of like what you let your girls wear in swimsuits, like? what you guys did think was okay, and then also at what age do you start implementing that? Because I think, you know, a two-year-old in a bikini is hilarious right. and cute. Right, But that's probably not. 
That's, that's you know. Yeah, that's a red point a lot of times is what's cute at two is 12 all of a sudden not cute. We really didn't do two pieces until, well, really pretty recently. And now, like I said, my time of instruction is over. And um, if there were going to be boys around, there was not two pieces. So if they were going to go lay out with friends, they were they were free to wear that. But if they were going to be boys around, we just thought, you know, um, camps are great because that's pretty much their rule, most Christian camps at least. And so we were like, if you're not if you can't wear this at Pine Cove, why are you going to wear this at a lake with your friends? And so that was a real easy one, and they really listened to us till about 20. <laughs> and so now they're like, um, you know, they'll wear t- tankinis or whatever, but. Um, they're going to do what they're going to do now, so, yeah. But I do agree. That's a great point is, is set it up early because all of a sudden your, your daughters will be curvy and you'll, you'll go, when did that happen? And you cannot get by with the same thing. So if they're, they've learned, plus it's just more comfortable, one piece, just throw it on. So set it up early. Sherry, my question is um, how do you, what do you feel is the key um, knowing you and your amazing husband and knowing your three wonderful adult daughters, I feel like on one end, um, families could do kind of their part and follow these instructions and you know, do all of these things. But what do you think is key about um, having your girls embrace the same things? Because that's mm-hmm. their heart. I mm-hmm. mean, all that you guys have, sh- that you've shared today about what y'all do, that's ingrained in your girls and that's their heart too. And they embrace it and they support it and they live it and Mm -hmm. you know what do you think is the key to getting the team approach as opposed to I'm your mom I'm your parent this is what the Lord says this is what we're doing you know but how do you get them at age seven to get okay I don't need to be in a bikini around boys yeah I think for them to really get our heart on that and that it was totally out of love I mean Brett and I both you've heard my story and Brett came from total craziness his mom's Love her to death. She's a believer now that she's on our third marriage. He's had two stepdads, um, no instruction as well. And just knowing that um, we are coming at them out of love and there was not condemnation. Um, I think that they really got that and that we were looking out for their best interest. I think we would admit this is awkward for us to talk about. And I'd rather not. But we pushed through, and they would see that. And they would also see that this is how we're trying to live our lives. Um, I think being honest and not playing the games, and and really we weren't doing this to be put up or to have anyone be watching us. We just felt like it was the right thing to do. And so they, I think they really got that. Um, I think when you get so legalistic and it has to be the certain way, I think kids will rebel against that really quickly. But if you say it out of love and you, and, you, and you say it often, it just becomes a part of what they believe. And, um, you know, I think at this point it's really fun to have my daughters come back and, okay, this, this really worked. There was a few things that didn't. But we've asked, and the last time we did this at the, marriage, at the parenting conference, we're like, did y'all get this? And, and they said, yeah, we got it, because y'all kind of said it all the time. <laughs> so kind of had to but and also just you know they were hearing this same thing from a lot of their friends too and so we weren't when we first started the uh, you have to talk to Mr. Johnson thing no one at Highland Park High School was doing this that I knew of and now other families have started to go okay and some boys parents now go we need to get to know the girls I mean it's 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 not like we're the freaks anymore it's like this is kind of becoming a little bit more normative and so I just think educating people and you know some dads haven't even thought that they could talk to their daughters well that's a girls talk to girls boys talk to boys you know just kind of breaking those molds of you know what should or shouldn't be done and just being real with your kids so I don't think that this necessarily goes along with purity, but since how you're a mom of three daughters, I thought I'd ask anyway. Um, did any of your daughters ever struggle with their body image and that sort of thing? Just because I think from my experience, mm-hmm. 
especially coming up in a family where maybe there wasn't as much instruction, but thinking that I had to be a certain, look a certain way to get attention and to, especially in high school. So I didn't know, I know that they grew up differently, but did that help any or did you still see that was a big trend? I I haven't seen it hugely, but I definitely know that, that two of my girls have struggled a little bit in that area, one more than the other. And um, I I'm still learning about kind of how to be a mom to that. Um, I know that they're watching me more than they're listening to me now. So I can model things, but I can't. Um, they listen to their dad's, their dad on that more. Brett, Brett just feels free to, to talk about that. But um, I think a great, I mean, going to Psalm 139 and just we are fearfully and wonderfully made. I probably, I texted that to them last week. I mean, I say that all the time, and they know that, you know, we're all different shapes, different sizes. God made us just how he wants us to be. But I, I do think that that is a huge part, and raising daughters, it's, it's frightening because you just think, okay, I know I've messed up some in this area. I know when I've said, let's have an apple instead of a cookie, they're hearing <laughs> different things. And so I, I realize I've got a lot to grow in that area, but um, I think that is a hard one. I, I don't. I don't really have the answers to that all yet. Cynthia Colbert would be. <laughs> She's the expert on that. But, um, yeah, I do think having those conversations and just being, you know, being okay with, with how God made us is the, the best thing. So. Yeah. She has a great talk. And she actually does a talk with moms and daughters. And um, that's a great thing, probably for a little bit older, but definitely, definitely worth going to. Sherry, I was going to add that. So in my mind, and I know this is complete ignorance to think, but if I'm looking at this perfect family, okay, excuse me, looking at this perfect family that has done just so many things right in raising these these fabulous women, um, so the mom and the dad have, have done things right, and these these children have grown up to be wonderful women. They're still having body image issues, so that's kind of what I take from your question. It's like, wow, we can still do all this right, and all that society pours into us, and all that is still out there that Satan is still feeding into their sweet little minds that are mm-hmm. equipped and strong, and but yeah. they still struggle. Yeah. So that's. I don't know if it's encouraging to me. It's very discouraging, actually. But um, to know that that can happen even when things are done right and done yeah. really, really well, that it's still there, still yeah. out there. It's still a struggle. Yeah, I would agree with that. All right. If we don't have any more questions, we have till noon. So leave your little angels down there and chat it up and eat our Party. food. Thank you so much, Sherry. Thank you all for the opportunity.